Jewish Road Podcast. We are back again. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with... Hi, I'm Ron Davis, and uh, glad to be with you all. We are entering into the High Holy Days, and this is the beginning. It's uh, it's a little bit of a trek, and we're starting with Rosh Hashanah, also known as... Feast of Trumpets. Feast of Trumpets. Yom Teruah in the Hebrew. And you know, we used to, one of the, the lines that we drew very early in the podcast was we were not going to have one of those Jewish podcasts that started with shofars. Yeah. Right. Like I just thought there's so many out there. Go go out and look. You can hear all yeah. the other podcasts, but they're all anything that's messianic Jews or the Jews. It's always with the shofar. Blowing the shofar. Blowing yeah. the shofar. If ever there was a day that we are going to blow the shofar on our podcast, this would be the one. Right. This is in 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 the biblical narrative in Leviticus 23. This is the day of the blowing of the tr- trumpets or the shofars. Yeah. Now, there's something that's happening in the Jewish community during these high holy days. It starts with Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah, and then it begins 10 days of awe. And this is when the Jewish people believe that God is opening up three books, the book of life, the book of death, and the book of in-between. Right, and it's a time of real introspection and reflection on the part of the Jewish people. That that term reflection is really important because uh, it's something that we— We'll probably come back to as we get into the discussion of what what it is we want to say, and, and the hope is, and even the blessing at the end of of the service when you go to a Rosh Hashanah service, is we say, "May your name be inscribed and sealed for another year." Yeah, there's a shelf life. There's an expiration date. Yeah, one year. That sacrifice on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, was good to cover your sins, not to forgive your sins, but to cover them for one year until the next Yom Kippur, and we had to repeat the process again. So at the beginning of this Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, it was the beginning of 10 days of awe. God opens the books. He's watching. He's watching to see how we behave. Are we kind to others? Are we praying? Are we doing these good deeds? All the way up to fasting on on Yom Kippur, but at the end of the Yom Kippur service, whereas they blow the trumpets at the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, the or the day of the blowing of the trumpets, it's ended, these 10 days are ended with blowing the shofar once again, and that's when the book is closed, closed. and sealed for another year. Yeah. Now, this is a holiday where all of the Jewish people are piling into the synagogues, into the temple, and one of the things that shows up, and, and we're going into this season, um, this weekend is happening uh, is Rosh Hashanah, and all of them are coming in, and there's one passage in particular, there's lots of prayers, lots of things going on, but one passage in particular that is always read during this season, Yom Teruah, and that is Genesis 22. Right, that's that's referred to as the Akedah, uh, it's the offering by Abraham of his son Isaac. Yeah, and so the Akedah literally means the binding. The binding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what we have in this is... Uh, this is the story that and most of us are familiar with this story that God is testing Abraham and says, I want you to bring your son, your one and only son, the one that you waited for for so long, and I want you to take him up to the mountain, the mountain I'll show you, and I want you to sacrifice him there, which feels just counterintuitive to absolutely everything that happened in the 12 chapters or 10 chapters before that. Yeah. Yeah. But why is it that that the Jews read this passage in particular Instead of you know everything else, we got the, obviously they're going to read Leviticus twenty three, but how did Genesis twenty two make its way into this narrative? Yeah, 
Well, I, I think it's interesting to look at the rabbinic perspective of this. And uh, there's uh, one rabbi who's a professor, Rabbi David Blumenthal, who looks at this as invoking the original oath God was forced to make. Hmm. And so he is uh, recounting this story in Genesis chapter 22. And uh, he says, I believe the rabbis are drawing our attention to an important biblical motif, and that is God's oath. And the theme that God swore to give the land to the Jewish people is just entrenched in the Bible. There's no question about that. Uh, It occurs often in the Torah, including uh, more than 20 times in Deuteronomy, as well as in the prophet's writings. So there is a, uh, a promise by God to give the Israelites the land, and God swears to give them the blessings of the seed as well. In other words, a, a progeny that uh, these covenants are going to go forward with and to be a, a blessing. And so uh, he uh, talks about the fact that there, there is a connection here uh, between God's promises and the oath that he gives, and uh, he makes a connection here to Abraham offering up Isaac. And uh, he's, he's, he makes the point here that uh, he, say, he says, Speak, Abraham speaking, you told me yesterday that through Isaac you will have a seed, and now you tell me, take your son, your only son, but God forbid I didn't listen to you. Rather, I overcame my compassion for my son in order to do your will. And so uh, this is part of the story of the, the binding of Isaac uh, that uh, is in Genesis 22, and I think we probably ought to go to Genesis 22 and talk about what that is. Yeah, and even to give away a little bit of the, the ending, we, we know the end of the story where you know he's on the altar and, and he's spared, but... There is this connection between the shofar, which is really, it's a ram's horn, mm-hmm. and it, it, we say it's a test of, of Abraham, but um, Isaac's being tested, um, Sarah is certainly being tested, yeah. and all of this is, will we follow what God has asked us to do? And it's interesting because in the, in the Rosh Hashanah liturgy, we ask God to remember us for life, that we might be remembered that we would have life, and the binding of Isaac concludes with his life being spared, and he too is remembered for life. And so it is through Abraham's devotion that that results in hope for life. So, okay, let's do it. Let's jump in. Uh, Let's tear apart. And if you've ever heard the story of Abraham and Isaac, I promise you that you've not heard everything that we're about to tell you. And we're cutting out about most of it. All right? Yeah. So you ready? Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this here. It starts in verse 1. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said, said to him, Abraham, and he said, Hineni, here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I'll tell you. So context, I mean, at this point, we know that Abraham has made offerings before, but anytime he's done an offering up until this point, it was never a human offering. Yeah. Um, and 
the backstory to this is how long were they waiting for Isaac to come? We have the promise that he would have land, seed, and blessing way back in Genesis 12, yeah. but they they laughed this off. This was a number of years before God was faithful in bringing about this promise. Yeah, well, and we we know Abraham and Sarah tried to solve the uh, dilemma that they were in of being childless themselves. Right. So we got and, Hagar, the Hagar scene there. Right. And Didn't so Sarah well. said, take take your handmaiden Hagar, and then Ishmael is born. Yeah. Um, and it was after that that God said, no, said, your wife Sarah, a year from now, is going to have a child. And she started laughing, and so they they named him Yitzhak. Yeah. Which means laughter. Laughter. That's it. Yeah. So uh, this... The, this particular uh, request by God to take Isaac, who's probably like 20 years old now. Mm. Um, he's not a little kid who doesn't understand what's going on. And Abraham and Sarah are no spring chickens at this point either. No, he's about 100. Well, uh, at this even point, more than e- that. Even older, yeah. Yeah, it's probably about 120. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and he is told to take his son, and this is a test. God. It says in Genesis 22, uh, God tested Abraham. And it's interesting, James makes a comment in the New Testament. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect. God God doesn't tempt and he doesn't test. He, he tests, but he doesn't tempt. And so Abraham here is being a request is being made and he says take your son your only son and he mentions god mentions that three times in this chapter take your son your only son in uh later on in uh verse 12 he says i know that you fear god seeing that you've not withheld your son your only son and in verse 16 he says because you have not done this and have not withheld your son your only son yeah that that thing of your only son comes up somewhere else in the scripture in the prophets later, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you get this this point here that as they're going out, it was impossible 20 years prior to this that they would even have a, a child in their old age. And now he's reminding him, and it, it's really how grand of a test it, it's, it's shown that you have this is your only son and Though you you struggled earlier on, there is no chance that that you're going to have another child. That Sarah's womb was as good as the grave. It yeah. was her womb was a tomb, uh, right? Yeah. It says later on in, in Act Two. Right. But this is the test, and and the question is, will he be faithful in following it? Yeah. And so he is. He he takes Isaac and he takes a couple of his servants and they head toward. Uh, the mountain that God is going to show them, which is Moriah. Yeah, which is today, and I don't know if a lot a lot of people don't make this connection until we go to Israel, yeah. but when you go to Israel, right there on the Temple Mount, there is the place where the temple stood to, that, that no longer is there, but today is the Dome of the Rock. Right. Uh, it's up there on the Temple Mount, and the Dome of the Rock, when it says Dome of the Rock, the rock that we're referring to is the rock that Abraham lays Isaac on. Yeah. So yeah. Moriah is Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, the scripture says in verse 4, it says, On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. 
And what's interesting here now, it was on the third day. They've been walking for three days to get to this place from where they were. There's no mistakes, right? Three days. Three, what is, three what days. Is that, what does that mean for us? What, what does that? Well, as he is making this trek, Isaac is as good as dead for three days. Hmm. I mean, this is, this is amazing. And uh, he tells the men who are with him, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. I mean, this, this is just such a significant point here. Uh, you know, how, how can Abraham possibly say this, that uh, he's going to come again, we're going to come back to you here um, when God told him to go sacrifice his son? But, you know, the writer to the Hebrews in the New Covenant Scripture tells us that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, there it is again, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And the point is, is that he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Hmm. So Abraham, actually, in making this trek for three days, Isaac, already dead to him in his mind, believes in his mind that God is going to raise him from the dead. Yeah, it's one of those things that if you're on the outside looking in at this story, it's impossible to think of a God who would ask somebody to kill their child. Yeah, the the pagans were doing that. Right. Child sacrifice, this is part of all of that, right? And so how is it possible that Abraham would even be obedient to a God who would ask him to do this? I I think there is something in the offing, way off in the future, that Abraham Abraham can't see, but He's listening to God, and God has something in mind in this story. Yeah, and ultimately, and you just read it in Hebrews, uh, it, it was faith, right? He had faith yeah. that God was was up to something, and he trusted God even with his son's life. Yeah. Do you ever have a time when you wanted to take me up to Moriah and <laughs> take me out? Did God ever tell you that and you just ignored it? Yeah. I, I don't think that's a test when you say that. I think it's more of a temptation. <laughs> <laughs> just, you seem to really connect with this story, and I just didn't know oh. if there was a backstory there that was going on that I yeah. should be worried about. There's a backstory, but it doesn't concern you. I think <laughs> I can. I think I can outrun you now. Yeah. But if, if you ever say, "Let's go on a hike," and you throw some wood on my back, then I know I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's exactly what happened next in this whole scenario with uh, Abraham and Isaac, right? Yeah, right. Uh, he he took the wood. Uh, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so as they go together, you know, Isaac says to his father Abraham, he says, uh, behold, the fire and the wood, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? It's a good question. Yeah. And what does Abraham say to him? Shut up. You're asking too many questions. (laughs) (laughs) He said something, even if he didn't realize the extent of it, he said something really prophetic. Yeah, he says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Yeah. 
And that had a near fulfillment for Abraham and Isaac, and it had a far fulfillment for the rest of Israel and the whole world. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the what is it, the, the Jesus Storybook Bible or the, oh, Jesus Calling. Have you ever read the Jesus Calling story? No. Yeah. It's a great, it's a good, um, you know, maybe it's not even that, but there's one of these these Bibles, you would actually love it, of all people, um, but it's taking these Old Testament stories and as types, and it's pointing to its fulfillment in Yeshua, uh-huh. um, and it does a great job, actually, with this story. With this one, yeah, yeah. If I had thought about it earlier, I would have mm. brought it, but... Um, but it is it's it's interesting because we have we have even even the motif of the the wood the etz the tree right mm-hmm. the tree is always there yeah. um and we have this type and that Yeshua Jesus would be coming and it would be again the tree that is part of this salvation story the salvation narrative yeah but they get there and it says then in verse 9 it says when they came to the place of which God had told him Abraham built the altar there, and he laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and he laid him on the altar. Now, I just, I mean, if I'm if I'm Abraham, I'm doing this really slowly, right? Like you're just putting the wood down. Okay, God, I'm waiting for you. Yeah, he puts it there, and then this is the point where Isaac starts to get nervous because he's yeah. picking up his 20, 20 year old son, and yeah. he's putting him on the altar on top of the wood. Well, you 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 got to also appreciate the fact that Isaac is cooperating with this whole process. Yeah, you know, I would not be cooperating yeah. with this process. <laughs> it's a good thing yeah. I can outrun you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many things I could say. Yeah, yeah. I just edit it out later. It's fine. All right, so he's laying him there. Uh, and he's on top of the wood, and it says, Abraham reached out his hand. He took the knife to slaughter his son. Wow. Was he going to do it? He was going to do it. He was going to do it. He was going to be obedient to the command of God. Yeah. I mean, that's the implication here. Yeah. But then there's an interruption. Yeah. The angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, "Here am I." <laughs> right? I used to when I was telling this story to kids, I would I would always say, "There's the voice, Abraham, Abraham." And he's all, "Hold on, I got to do something." And then he does, "What? What were you saying?" Right? Oh, no. yeah, but that would have been bad. Yeah, yeah. he that, listened. That would have been very unbiblical. Yes, but once again, he says, "Hineni," right? Here am I, mm-hmm. and he says, "Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son." Your only son from me. Yeah, there it is. That's the second time. Yeah, he's made that statement, and so what? What happened? The Lord provided. He provided a lamb himself. Yeah, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket. An etz. An etz. Believe it or not, same huh. word. As long as it has some wood in it, they call it an etz. And he's caught by his horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Yeah. He didn't have to sacrifice his son, but the Lord would provide for himself an offering. Yeah. And it was a ram, not his son. Yeah. This is that has just amazing prophetic significance that the Lord would provide for himself. Yeah. I mean this is this is his work completely and totally. And it's his requirement, right? He needs a sacrifice. He has set up this system, this sacrificial system where in order for us to have atonement, he said, I want you to take an animal, right? It has to be a ram, or it has to be a goat, or it has to be a lamb, and God is going to provide. In fact, so much so that they called the place the Lord will provide. 
And it's said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so God is the one. Man has the problem, and God is the one who's going to solve the problem, and he was going to solve it in the beginning, even going all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. God was the one who supplied the covering for them, the clothes, yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. So um, God, God says, the Lord, you know, because you have done this, you have not withheld your son, your only son. There it is the third time. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand of the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And this is significant. So Abraham returned to the young men. These are the two guys who have been waiting for them. Remember, he said, we're, the, the boy and I are going to go and we're going to return. Yep. And it says Abraham returned to his young men. It doesn't say that Isaac returned with him, but the implication is Isaac is there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we assume Isaac is there. But Isaac is not mentioned anywhere in the rest of chapter 22, the rest of chapter 23, and all of chapter 24 until you get to about verse 67 when Isaac is now mentioned again, and he's mentioned when he meets his bride. Mm. That's pretty good. That That is... Never heard that one before, huh? Uh, I've heard it because I've hung out yeah. hung out with you a couple times, yeah. but yeah, you have to hear it. <laughs> yeah, so it, uh, unpack that just for a second. So, yeah. well, uh, you know, we we know that. It, I mean, it's interesting, and even just before this, it's a re re utterance of the land, the seed, the blessing. Right, God. You know, when he's saying, take your son, your only son, like if we don't have the son, then we don't have any of the other stuff, right? And then God yeah. is not faithful to his promise yeah. that was made to Abraham, you know, yeah. 10 chapters earlier. But he says it. He says, I will bless you and I will multiply you. I will give you your land. You'll have the, the land of your enemies and you will be a blessing on all of the earth. Yeah. And that was to be through Isaac. Yes. You remember when Sarah wanted Hagar and Ishmael out of the picture. That's right. And he said, get them out of here. And it was very upsetting to Abraham. And God had to come back to Abraham. This is in Genesis 21. And he says, don't be displeased because of the boy and because of uh, your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, go ahead and do it. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. That's it. So the significance of the singularity of the the promise, the seed, it's going to come through Isaac. Okay, so just wrap us up by unpacking that last piece that you just said. Um, it's it's Genesis 24 now, and we finally see Isaac. Um, but Isaac is not, I mean, he's he's all of Genesis 22. It's the only thing we're, we're hearing about, reading about. Yeah. But it's, it's in 24 where we finally see that he has returned after this gap of time, and he's with his bride. Yeah, um, he he is returned. It says at the end of chapter twenty-four. Then Isaac, he he meets Sarah. Actually, Abraham previously sent Eliezer, his servant. Mm, yeah, that's right. Eliezer means the one who comes alongside. Yeah, it's like the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and he sends Eliezer to find a bride for his son Isaac, and so he goes back to the land of the family. He finds. Rebecca, the two of them meet, and in verse 67, then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother. His mother had just died. Mm-hmm. 
and took Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And so here, from the time he was to be offered as a sacrifice, and we, we see in that a type of the Messiah, he disappears from the scene for a long time, and when we see him again, he is united with his bride. And it just has, I think, such significance uh, in the uniting of the Lord, the Messiah, with his bride, the church, uh, that he will, he's been gone for 2,000 years now, and when we see him again, he is going to be reunited uh, with, with his bride, the Holy Spirit, is the Eliezer that is going to bring the believers into his presence. And uh, I think even in verse 25, but to the sons, there's, there's a confirmation uh, that Isaac is the heir. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts, and while he was still living, he sent them away from his son eastward to the east country. And so... We have, we have in this all um, the, the confirmation of the covenant being extended now through Isaac, and of course it will extend through Jacob and on through the children of Israel. And I hope we're connecting. There's a lot of dots to connect here, but right now the time that we are living in is, is after Genesis 22. We are in Genesis 23 in the first part of 24, and we're waiting for the one who was going to be sacrificed to who was sacrificed for him to return right. and that we are watching and waiting uh, as his bride. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as we go into uh, this season of uh, the days of awe into these high holy days, we want you to know that you are invited and this is supposed to be a part of your faith journey. And so we want to invite you into that. Uh, I know that a lot of Christians, as you are listening and you're thinking about High Holy Days, uh, if we're like doing kind of like a, what is your mind saying as you're listening to this? You're thinking High Holy Days, that's a Jewish thing, that's an Old Testament thing, that's for the Jews, that's not for me. Um, we think that there's incredible significance in this story, and all of this is hidden in plain sight. And so we have a series that is out right now that you can sign up for. If you go to the website, just thejewishroad.com, at the very top, you can hit a button and it'll take you to a page where you could sign up. And every single day for 10 days, the 10 days of awe, we will shoot you a really short, quick email. There'll be a link to our a blog post on, on this topic. And we're just inviting you to walk through these days of awe so that you can experience the fullness of your faith that you don't just live in one part of the story, but that all of this is connected together. And so that's the invitation. Join us, um, invite other people, and let's walk this together during these high holy days. Yeah, it has tremendous prophetic significance. Uh, these last three appointed times that God gave to Israel that are taking us really to the end of the age and to the end of history as we know it. And we know that as a result, our name is not just written and sealed in the book of life for a year, but it is written and sealed forever. Forever, right. Uh, because Yeshua, once the sacrifice was complete, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and there was no need anymore. See, the priests never sat down. They always stood because they were always working. Their work was never finished. But when he offered himself as a sacrifice, he sat down because it was acceptable and it was finished. And that brought forgiveness, not just atonement for a year. 
It's good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until next time, until the next podcast, may you be blessed and may you pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Thank you.